Welcome to Never Again Is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. I am Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I am featured in the documentary about anti-Semitism, Never Again Is Now. I am a Dutch Jew and the daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I immigrated to the United States because of the rising anti-Semitism in Europe. I am Phyllis Zimbler Miller. I'm the founder of the free nonfiction Holocaust theater project, Thin Edge of the Wedge. I grew up in a small town in the Midwest and my grandparents came from Latvian Russia at the turn of the 20th century. Yet 25 years after the end of World War II, my US Army officer, husband and I found ourselves stationed in Munich, Germany. David Drimmer is the executive director at the Jewish Federation of Ulster County, New York. Davis has, David has led the Zionist Organization of America in the past, and he has also led the national Jewish newspaper, The Forward. David is co-founder of National Holocaust Awareness Initiative, a nonprofit established to address the ignorance of the Holocaust among the younger generations. David, welcome and thank you for coming on our show. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, my, my, I, was, I was raised in what I often call a gilded Jewish ghetto, Jamaica States. New York and Queens. How lucky to be born in the United States in the post-war era in a period of, of relative middle-class affluence in, in a place where um, it was completely comfortable to uh, be Jewish. And the same kids I went to Hebrew school with were my best friends in my uh, school and public school. Um, just terrific. I raised my kids in Queens about a mile and a half from there, and they were both victims of virulent anti-Semitic uh, incidents in school, and um, both eventually changed schools uh, because of it. Uh, Anti-Semitism's never gone away. So that's always been there for me, even though I started my career in uh, advertising, PR and marketing and publishing. I was with Knight River newspapers for 13 years and I was a vice president in the uh, economist group, uh, eventually working um, with the forward, let me into um, nonprofit management and and I like to joke that ever since then, I've been professionally Jewish for about eight, 18 years now. And um, right now, Holocaust education, I see as my lasting Jewish legacy, I hope, this project that we're gonna talk about today. So before we talk about it though, I'd just like to know, when did you personally know about the Holocaust? When did you learn it? Was it talked about in your home or did you not yes. talk about it until much later? No, it was talked about in my home. And um, I, I've been thinking about that lately. I don't remember when I first heard about it, 
but I remember being like aware of Hitler, but not knowing a lot about Hitler. And we were at my aunt's house when the word, the name Hitler came up, an apartment in Brooklyn in the early 60s. I think I was four years old. And I asked my sister and brother um, about Hitler. I think that's that's the first I knew. But certainly I, I always grew up knowing about them. I always knew what had happened to my uh, paternal grandparents' families. Uh, I knew why my grandmother and her sister were only uh, two of nine children that were alive when I was a little kid. Um, so I I think just the history of tragedy and our personal family story, we always talked about it and we always know about it. So that brings us to today. And what do you think young people of today know about the Holocaust? Unfortunately, I spend a lot of time uh, analyzing data about this, especially recently, uh, the Pew Research Report and more recently, the claims conference report and what they know in general is dismal. And I think it's uh, dangerous for millennials, especially and younger. Millennials are already half America's workforce. Um, I think it's dangerous that they don't know more about the Holocaust. And do you think they don't know more because they never learn it, they're not interested. I mean, give us a little insight into that. I think they don't learn enough. I think what they've learned doesn't engage them enough. And uh, I, I think that there's a casual anti-Semitism born of indifference. And my theory, and sort of a working theory, is, is that uh, the, the problem here is essentially you can't internalize, you can't synthesize the horror from the Holocaust uh, without an emotional reaction. And I don't believe that the Holocaust is being taught in a way that you walk out of the room feeling disgusted or nauseous nauseous, which is how I felt when I was a kid and learned about the Holocaust. So um, kids aren't relating, teenagers especially are not relating when they're learning about it in school, and it's not making an emotional impact. And, and that is where we see um, an opportunity to create some some learning modules that create more of an emotional connection for, uh, for students in secondary schools. And, and I think that the monologue project um, that you're working on, I think that's essentially the same thing. I think, you know, when, when our community, Holocaust education community looks at the problem everybody sees that that's sort of the failure. You're not making an emotional connection. At the same time, the entire world, even from the United Nations to the ADL, which I would consider sort of opposite ends of the ideological spectrum, 
on the subject of uh, Judaism uh, agree that the solution to prejudice is education. So we know, or our working theory is one, education is paramount, and two, we're not getting it done right, and three, the reason we're not getting it done right is because teenagers can't relate. My final thought on this is just talking about this with a, um, an educator uh, recently. And she said, look, take these kids to see Anne Frank. It's a great movie. They may feel for Anne, but it's not a Holocaust movie. It's a hiding movie, right? What do you really learn? about the Holocaust from Anne Frank. You may have an emotional reaction. It may inspire you to learn something more. But Anne Frank is not teaching you about the horrors of the Holocaust. Well, I don't agree with you about that. But Actually, I do, but we're not going to talk about Anne Frank. What we're okay, going to look, two Jews, three opinions. Three right. Jews, how many opinions is that? What we're going to do, be, I, I just want to say one thing before I have you talk a little <laughs> bit about National Holocaust Awareness Initiative, and then move on to Evelyn's questions. For those people who weren't following what David was saying, he's referring to my play, Thin Edge of the Wedge.com, which is a totally nonfiction play, and it's all first-hand accounts of survivors and saviors. And the whole thing was written to be emotional and was written for students to do the lines themselves. They don't have to memorize it so that they really feel the characters. They feel when Judith, who's 15 years old, is told she doesn't have to go to the gas chamber with her mother if she can get out of range in the count of 10, I'll start to cry right now. And the last thing she ever hears her mother say is, run, my daughter, run. And that's what we want. We want these students to understand these were real kids, real people, and connect that way. But anyway, it's not my, my project, it's yours. So David, talk about the National Holocaust Awareness Initiative. So, uh, my wife and I and our friend Dan Friedman, who was executive editor of The Forward newspaper, uh, were aghast at the Pew Research study that said millennials could not identify uh, Auschwitz, who believed that Hitler came to power through force, and that Jews caught up in the Holocaust, maybe two to three million perished. Um, we were just said that, you know, this is sort of a problem. You know, why aren't people addressing this problem? And we know that there's education out there and we know that there are materials, um, but we felt it was problematic that there weren't better educational outcomes. So we founded this uh, organization, National Holocaust Awareness Initiative, and we, uh, but we got derailed a little bit. Everybody thought it was a great idea, but we got derailed by the pandemic. So uh, I knew some people on the board uh, at the Ulster County Federation, and uh, they invited me to come up here and be general uh, executive director, you know, and help with sort of reinvigorating the mission. And uh, the condition was that I would get to bring uh, a pilot project for National Holocaust Awareness uh, to, uh, to Ulster. And they agreed, and it's become a very big part of our mission. We're very excited about it. Terrific. 
I mean, I, I just think it's thrilling that you didn't just say, these are terrible numbers and move on, which is exactly what we're trying to get people to do here. So now Evelyn's gonna ask you questions. Okay. David, um, unfortunately we still experience anti-Semitism today. Um, and since the Israel-Gaza conflict this spring, um, we see another uptick in anti-Semitism also in America, but globally actually. Um, and even violence against Jews also in America. Who would have thought that? Um, a lot of hatred on social media against Jews and the Jewish state. Um, what are the Jewish organizations uh, doing to end this? You're, you're um, the executive director of the Jewish Federation. You know what the, the Jewish organizations are doing and planning. Could you... Uh, Give us some information about that. Right. So the very first thing, I think, uh, the American Jewish community um, needs to acknowledge is, is that anti-Semitism can rear its ugly head anywhere, anytime. It can be expressed in horrible acts of violence. I don't have to like run through the, the recent history of that for people to just accept that it's true. So number one, we have to look out for our own safety. We have to be ever vigilant. We have to take steps to uh, protect ourselves. Um, and we have to make sure that uh, our houses of worship, our synagogues are protected and um, locally anywhere locally, you can uh, work with your federation uh, whose umbrella group, the uh, Jewish Federation of North America and the Conference of Presidents formed uh, a, a Homeland Security unit called uh, the Secure Community Network, SCN. I'm sure you've bumped up against them in the past. They have some tools for evaluating your security needs. And I absolutely encourage every Jewish not-for-profit or synagogue or school to take advantage of these tools and apply for Homeland Security grants. That's one, right? So hierarchy of needs one, let's protect our own security. Two, we need to make sure that our um, politicians, our law enforcement agencies take anti-Semitism very seriously. Um, and we need to support people who've been victimized. That's the main reason we have started the anti-Semitism hotline here in Elster County, 24-7-365. And we're backing that up with the resources of the Secure Community Network and the Lewis D. Brandeis Center, whose founder, Ken Marcus, was uh, Assistant Secretary of Education for Civil Rights. And he's been joined by there by the famous appellate attorney, Eliza Lewin, daughter of the very famous constitutional attorney, Nat Lewin. And so uh, we have 
real teeth in our local effort, which is about to launch this week, actually, um, to follow up on uh, anti-Semitic incidents and to interface with law enforcement, to uh, interface with media when appropriate, and to bring in uh, civil rights attorneys when that might help affect a positive outcome. So uh, safety first. Second, how do you address anti-Semitism? And that's where it comes together. Your interest in anti-Semitism, I'm sure you're interested in both, your primary interest in education. Most organizations, most people studying believe that education is the answer, not just anti-Semitism, but any kind of racism or bias. Um, but if you're doing it, you have to do it well. In New York State, the statistics are saying we're not getting the outcomes we should. Look, we're one of 18 states with mandatory Holocaust education in schools, only 18, but we're one of them. And we have the most Jews in New York of any state in the union, over 1.7 million, right? Why are we in the bottom 10 tied for 41st down there with Arkansas and Mississippi and Alabama, people that have very few Jews? Um, why are we down there with them? Why has whatever Holocaust education is being mandated in the schools does not move the meter in the right direction? Um, the claims conference has some startling statistics. Wait, wait, I didn't understand one thing. What did it mean about the bottom? Of, you mean in, in terms of being educated or in terms of how much anti-Semitism? So the, the uh, claims conference did a national study and then they did state-by-state -state breakouts on questions regarding specifically to Holocaust awareness and New York finished tied for 41st. Oh, okay, I see. So the dissonance between what you would expect right. and the reality is frankly disappointing and it's cause for alarm. Got it. Well, so um, David, um, you say security, basically I hear you say security and um, and education are the two main tools uh, of the Jewish community in America to uh, end this rising anti-Semitism. Is that correct? Yes, I, I believe that. So, is. so now, if I may ask some more questions about that, please. Um, Certainly. Um, security is great and very, very necessary, of course, to, to protect lives. Um, but it doesn't end anti-Semitism, right? It's a defensive measure. No, but let, let me clarify on that. Um, media reports have Jewish people admitting to taking down overt symbols of their heritage. They hide their, uh, their chais and their Jewish stars. They take down mezuzahs off their doorposts. And that is... That's the camel of anti-Semitism anti getting its nose in under the tent 
of your religious beliefs, of your freedom of religion in America, in America of all places. I have to be afraid to wear my Jewish star. I, I just, you, you just really have to start with making sure that you're safe and safe in a way that you can express your, 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 your religion. And that's not just for Jews, that's for anybody. So there's a systemic racism here, not just an anti-Semitism. But where but what are the what are the copy points anti-Semitism use? They're all about anti-Semitic tropes that um that you know if people are listening, um they should be taught. And it, and if they're not listening, then they should be shunned by society. But it's today also, and especially in the environment of education at campuses, US campuses, and even, even uh, K-12, um, we see a, a new anti-Semitism. Um, we see um, Israel being um, called an apartheid state and a, a, a being accused of ethnic cleansing and of Nazi practices. Um, is, is the Jewish community in America, does it have measures against this new anti-Semitism? Well, there are organizations, and I don't think we've done a good enough job. I do know that the president of the local federation here, Ron David Gold, and I, when there is anti-Semitism expressed in the media, it's job number one for us to respond to that. And unfortunately, we are um, writing uh, rebuttal letters virtually every week now um, to the editor uh, of, of local media uh, because there's a lot of anti-Israel uh, anti sympathy up here and we really feel that we need to correct the record but that's very very disturbing anti-israelism bds we find that very disturbing yeah, I, yeah. I can tell you categorically that i feel that the bds movement is essentially anti-semitic in nature um and i we really need to sort of educate at the same time it's also hypocrisy uh, because of all the Israeli technology, and especially in the face of COVID, you know, the, the Israeli biotech um, that it, you, know, you, just, you just can't, you just you can't ignore it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned about that level of anti-Semitism. I don't have the answers, but we need a lot more out of our organizations. We need a lot more out of our politicians. Right now, I'm working with the American Jewish community to get every town supervisor and mayor in Ulster, uh, 20 mayors and town supervisors, to sign a pledge against anti-Semitism. I'm pitching, I'm lobbying with the Ulster uh, legislature to get a resolution going, uh, decrying anti-Semitism. I want there to be a big media message out there that says Ulster County stands united against anti-Semitism. Very good. Yes, and you have uh, your media experience 
which uh, I think is very useful in this. Um, uh, to me, it uh, it looks like it, it, it just. I I have the feeling that the the Jewish American Jewish community uh, at large um, could stand up more loudly against the new anti-Semitism. Um, not only in the media, but also in the social media. That's where the young people are uh, today. Um, and they, they try their best at campus. I can see that. Um, but um, at, at social media and in the media, I see um, um, a lot of um, demonization of Israel. And um, some of those use the classic anti-Semitic tropes and some right. have new. Uh, kinds of demonization and coming, you know, having left Europe um, because of the rising anti-Semitism, I have seen this happen before. This right. all happened in Europe, and I can, I have the impression that American Jewry is like German Jewry in the '30s. Can't imagine that you know um, Jews are um, uh, more and more. Um, I would say discriminated against or, or demonized um, in, a, in their society. How, how could it complacent. happen? Complacent. We're, we're complacent. I can completely believe that that's true. Yeah. So I hope the Jewish organizations will um, make the shift from the, you know, fighting the old anti-Semitism, the good old anti-Semitism, uh, quote unquote, to fighting the new anti-Semitism at the new media that are currently, you know. So I have to give credit to like a few organizations that are taking that very seriously. Um, the ZOA takes that seriously. The Brandeis Center does. Um, ADL to some extent does, um, especially on campus. They really try to stand up for the expressions of Jewish and Jewish political thought and unfettered discussion, honest, open discussion about these issues where there are certain organizations that try to shut down that dialogue, like uh, Students for Justice in Palestine, mm -hmm. SJP. And then there are also uh, organizations like Stand With Us that stand up. Uh, it's, a, it's a hotbed of uh, tension anti-Israel tension on, on many of America's campuses. Absolutely, yeah, yes. And that's also how it started in Europe and from from, from academia it spills to media and mainstream and politics. Um, I just want to say, I love Claims Conference's new hashtag campaign. Hashtag, it started with words. And I think that right. this, you know, as children, we in America, we have that nursery sign, you know, six and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Totally false. Right. Totally. And I think American Jews need to understand that that's totally false and be willing to speak up against words. So when I uh, was discussing the mission of Ulster County, Holocaust awareness with the uh, and anti-Semitism online with the board. We arrived at the decision that uh, social media, since uh, youth is so susceptible, susceptible 
uh, negative messaging like that and say even actually bullying it just comes down to bullying uh, we uh, we were going to take that very very seriously and I 100% agree that the the digital environment of anti-semitism you know the unfettered anti-semitism that you find online um, is something that's really important to address and, uh, you know, we're constantly uh, grappling with what, what the best way to address that is. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, David, um, what is your advice to the, um, the listeners of our podcast? What can they do individually to help end the current anti-Semitism? Well, stay vigilant, um, get involved. Um, I especially like Compass. Compass is about uh, uh, systematically responding to negative media about Israel. Um, I think you have to look at the Jewish organizational community and find those organizations that are consistent with your political ideology and what they're trying to do to prevent anti-Semitism and prevent anti-Israelism. And um, I think you need to like get involved with that. Uh, and you have to uh, talk to your, it depends. Uh, the people that have a lot of stake in this are parents, Jewish parents, with uh, school-age children um, from preschool through uh, college education and graduate education. You, you have to speak with your wallet, you have to speak with your words, and you have to uh, uh, you know, make sure that it's not, America is not a place um, where it's dangerous to be Jewish. Uh, you need to see your politicians saying that uh, quite plainly and loudly, or they don't deserve your support at the voting booth. Um, Joe Biden has made uh, very strong uh, statements. Um, a lot of Christian Zionists on the right in Congress have been very loyal to Israel. Uh, without getting into the personal politics of it, it's just a fact that... Um, There are people who've been very uh, loyal to Israel on both sides of the aisle, and there are people on both sides of the aisle whose uh, support has been uh, disturbing or disappointing. So uh, I think it's very important, important that uh, they're held accountable. There is twin bills in the New York State uh, Assembly and State Senate right now calling for a mandate uh, audit of Holocaust education in the state by the Commissioner of Education. We lobbied the Ulster County delegation uh, to support this bill, and they all, 100%, have agreed to co-sponsor the bill. We're very pleased with the response we got from the Ulster delegation. I reached out to JAFNA, my umbrella organization, Jewish Federation of North America, and we're discussing whether or not we can engineer a uh, statewide lobbying effort um, to get these bills passed. 
Uh, we already know statistically that any honest, uh, transparent audit is going to show very, very poor results on the value we're getting out of uh, current, again, legally mandated Holocaust education efforts in the state. And we hope, and we're not really looking for recrimination or fin finger pointing here, we're looking for a solution. And one of the things that we hope is that if we get the go ahead to do this program, uh, we're presenting to the uh, Council of uh, Superintendents here in Ulster on September 30. If we get the go ahead to, to do this program, create these supplemental materials, digital materials, other ancillary activities, um, that um, it'll show thought leadership for the state. And, and when we look at our metrics and our key performance indicators, at the end of the program, uh, it will become a model for other things that can be done in the state. We'd like to see it not just in Ulster. We'd like Ulster to spawn uh, a program of Holocaust education that could be rolled out as a, as a model across the state. Uh, and even if it's not our program, just to prove um, to the powers that pay, that there is something that could be done. And, and, and we'll consider it a, a day's work well done if that's the net takeaway. Okay, it's time to wrap up. We're gonna give you a last few minutes, but I do think the most important thing perhaps we've learned is that Holocaust education in and of itself is not enough. It has to be engaging. It has to change people's minds. It can't just be well, watching one movie or reading one book. And so that that is this effort that you're doing to really find, um, we had someone on the other day from the ninth candle, Luke Barrymore, who said when they work with teachers they, and students, they meet them where they are. And your program is trying to give them tools that will really touch them. So right. do you wanna add any last words? Yeah, sure, the CAP event of this project will be bringing in uh, a Holocaust survivor who's an experienced speaker um, to talk to an auditorium and really tell their story. Uh, a person, if you wanna look up online and see tape uh, on YouTube, uh, a person uh, my organizations have worked with in the past is Sammy Steigman who was, a, uh, as a child, was a, a victim of medical experiments. And I can remember when I heard about medical experiments on children as a child, that's the part I found most frightening and disgusting. That's how it emotionally resonated with me. You can see some fragmentary tape on YouTube of Sammy talking to college students at the universities of the Pacific. There's also an organization that called 3G New York. It's the, children, it's the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors who, um, um, you know, who carry on telling that story for their families. And we'd like to bring them directly right into the classrooms. Um, there's, a, there's a project that uh, maintains the, uh, the art and the music that came out of Theresian. And uh, we can help those orchestras 
uh, school orchestras put on that music from Theresian. I spoke to a French educator who's uh, just finishing up his PhD in Holocaust uh, studies. Um, you know, uh, he's done uh, in advanced French classes, he's, he's centered those, that French module, advanced French module around discussing the Holocaust. These are ways that people can, points of entry for people to get involved in internalizing and being able to synthesize the horror of the Holocaust. That's what's been missing. Thank you so much, David. Really, this has just been a wonderfully enlightening interview. We thank our listeners for listening. Please, everyone, if you haven't watched, <clears throat> sorry, haven't watched Evelyn's documentary, Never Again Is Now, you can see it for free at joinneveragainisnow.com. You can find out more about my nonfiction Holocaust play at thinedgethewedge.com. And please, everyone, whenever you can, without putting yourself in physical danger, speak up against anti-Semitism and all hate. Absolutely. Evelyn, fellas, thank you.